Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. Well, when one has a visual impairment, there are many ways of getting information and reading information. And today, we'll be talking about a project that is aimed at making the experience of reading be more informative and more interesting for people with vision impairments. We'll speak with Jesse Swift, a STEM teacher at Golden High School, and with some of his students about their experiences with the Build a Better Book Project and how it worked out for them at their school. But first, for our tip of the week, this week's tip comes from Jesse Swift. We always start every episode with a tip of the week. Mm-hmm. Do you have a tip you'd like to share? You know, my tip of the week is is just be nice. You know, being in a high school and with what's happening in our world nowadays, it's just, you know, I'd love to see people be nicer to each other. And it just seems like we're, we're losing that. And with the holiday season coming up, I would just, you know, hope that everyone can be nice to each other and keep smiling and keep, keep those good thoughts for all of us. And you do seem to bring a lot of joy into your class. Oh, Students thank seem you. to really like thank it. Thank you. I, I try really hard. I really want to make it a class where the, the kids are their best. And I do enjoy teaching. It is it is hard sometimes, and but projects like this and students like in the class really make teaching a, a wonderful career. And Nancy and I spent some time in Jesse's class with his STEM class that was involved in this Build a Better book program. And it really was fun to see the interactions that these kids were having, the creativity involved, and the team spirit. It was a real joy. Oh, yeah. One thing that comes to mind is when the kids were doing their final presentations, one of the students was having a little bit of trouble expressing himself. And instead of making fun of him and instead of laughing at him, the other kids pitched in and helped him out and they were very supportive. And, you know, it's great when a teacher can create that kind of environment in the classroom. And it's great to see these science, technology, engineering, and math or STEM classes being made available to kids to make science very concrete and real and exciting and fun. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by meeting Jesse and learning about the Golden High School STEM curriculum. My name is Jesse Swift, and I'm a STEM and engineering teacher at Golden High School here in Golden, Colorado. And you've been doing that for quite a while. Yes, I've been teaching STEM for probably about seven or eight years, and I've been at Golden High School for the past, this is my third year at Golden High School. And when you say teaching STEM at Golden High School, what does that involve? So currently, I teach two engineering classes, kind of an introduction engineering class and then an engineering two class. And those are, to me, traditional engineering courses. And then the STEM courses, to me, are classes where the students are incorporating all of those STEM skills, the science, the technology, and math. And so, for example, one class we have is a bicycle STEM class where the students are learning about the materials that go into a bicycle frame. They're learning about the angles and the lengths of the tubes on a bicycle frame. And then they actually go through and build themselves a bicycle frame. 
And then another STEM course that we offer is a makerspace class. So the students come in and they, they gain different skills, whether it's using a laser engraver or a 3D printer. And then they actually go out and start building their own STEM projects with those skills. Where we ran into you was that one of your STEM classes is involved in the Build a Better Book project. Yes, yeah, correct. And which class is that? That was the Engineering 2 class, and one of the contacts at the Golden Library had shared with me information about the Build a Better Book project, and she asked if we wanted to run that within the class. And I jumped on the project. It sounded like a great idea. And so I started working with Brittany, and then she connected me with you guys because it sounded like you had made contact with her. And that's how we got connected with you and yes. helping out with your projects and the kids doing the Build a Better Book program. Yeah, yeah. It was it was great to have you guys. You first came in and gave some feedback early on in their designs, mm-hmm. and that was super helpful. I think it really changed a lot of the direction they were going. And then you guys also got to come at the end of the project, and or they presented their projects to a, a panel, and you guys were a part of that panel. And that was just so impressive because, you know, we were in high school a really long time ago. Our kids were in high school a long time ago. And to see what these kids are able to do and with the new tools that they're able to use, we were really impressed by those projects. Yeah, the thank kids. you. Yeah, I was, I was very impressed with their solutions too. It was really a neat opportunity for me because it was early in the semester and early in the school year, and I got to see how they work together as groups and, and their problem-solving skills, and uh, they just knocked it out of the park. So, Nancy, before we continue, why don't you tell our listeners how we got involved in the Build a Better Book program? How we met Brittany was our son and his kids were here visiting over the summer, and it was hot as blazes, and so we went to the public library just to get some air conditioning and have some fun. And we discovered a Braille book on the mm-hmm. shelves, mm-hmm. a Braille picture book. And so Pete was reading this Braille book to our grandson, and I took a picture, and then a couple of weeks later I went up to the front desk and I said, just to let you know, you may think there's no use for your Braille mm. books on the shelves, but here's a picture. And they just ate it up. Mm-hmm. And that's how they then introduced us to Brittany mm-hmm. and she to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's so, great. Yeah. And as you'll see, this Build a Better Book program is an attempt to make that experience more multimodal and multisensorial for children or other people reading books, and they come up with some interesting results. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is the Build a Better Book Project. So we talked a little about the Build a Better Book project that the students were involved in. Can you tell us really what that project is all about? Yeah, so up at University of Colorado, Boulder, they have a foundation for Build a Better Book, and it's making games and books for visually impaired users. And they had an outreach for the library makerspaces, and that's how I got connected with Brittany at the Golden Library. And so I brought it into the engineering classroom and gave it to the students as a challenge of, you know, I want you to take a book that you know and translate that to make it accessible to visually impaired users. 
Now, we have been buying books from the National Braille Press ever since our kids were little, so this was 30-ish years ago, where they take regular print books and they insert clear Braille and so it's accessible to everybody. The sighted people can see the pictures and the text and the blind people can read the braille. And that, that was our mental model of making a book accessible to someone with vision loss. But your kids weren't constrained by that mental model. They came up with some very clever ideas. Yeah, yeah. They were really thinking about textures and contrast were the two main things that they were focused on. So every object within their stories had a different texture and every object had a different contrast. They also did incorporate some Braille and that was really exciting because they got to use the, the stylus and, and learn how to actually write Braille. And I think that was one of the great side learning lessons of this unit was, was having the students uh, learn and write Braille. And some of the students used their engineering skills in making some 3D printed objects to go along with these books, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. They they used um, several different CAD programs, and then they would model up their, their item, and then we would print it out on paper just to make sure the sizing was correct. And then once we okayed the design, then we would go through and 3D print. And I think almost every group had a 3D printed object within their books. But they also had some low-tech items involved as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had uh, wiki sticks, I think is how you say it, um, which is just kind of wax-covered string that's moldable. Uh, they had uh, clay. Somebody just even had felt. And it's just, you know, providing different textures for the different objects. Yeah. And they didn't all try to reproduce the book. They tried to represent the content of the book and some more so than others, and very creatively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Very Hungry Caterpillar had a little 3D caterpillar that went from scene to scene. Yeah, and it started to grow along yes. the way. And that was really neat, because you could take that CAD model and then just scale it up mm -hmm. each time you printed it out. What I thought was really neat was, in a project like this, basically these students were not that familiar with Braille, using Braille, and how people with low vision read books and access material. And so they came into it kind of very open-minded in some sense and came up with some very creative, different, and innovative solutions for interacting with this material. Yeah, yeah. And, and I do want to say, you know, to you, Pete, I think you gave them a lot of great feedback. You know, I, you were talking about placing objects in the same spot every time on every panel. And so I think, you know, you really guided them too. Um, another item that really stuck out is just kind of having the edge of their panels or the edge of their pages have a tactile item that kind of said, hey, this is the end of it. And so I think that, you know, and they, some people use a little bit of wood, some people actually spaced out their panels, but they did have some, some good solutions. But again, I think you, you gave them some good feedback. Well, I had a lot of fun doing that. Oh, it, it was interesting to see what they came up with and, you know, how with a little bit of customer feedback from someone like myself, those designs could be improved. Yeah, yeah, and really, really quickly. I mean, they as soon as they got done talking with you, they, they were modifying their path and making some changes to their designs. One notable example was one team had their design elements all over their panel, and the only place that the Braille was going to fit, and it was only two or three lines of Braille, was on a diagonal up the middle, and Pete just couldn't find it even you know once he found it he couldn't read it because it was on a diagonal those kids learned in a hurry they needed to change that yeah yeah the other one i remember was the 
Braille being so close to one of the borders that was raised that I couldn't get my finger in there to read them Braille. It was, yeah, it was tucked in too tightly. If, yeah, yeah. If you're designing it and didn't use Braille. Right, right. Not not realizing that the fingers took space yeah. and that they needed more space around their Braille. So yeah. now you were the teacher of this project. Yeah. What kind of learning experience did you have? For me, my learning experience on this was really the power for the students that occurs when you take a project outside the classroom. And I found working with the Golden Library and working with the two of you and working with Build a Better Book Foundation, it really gave some legitimacy to the students' projects. And I think that also helped raise the products that they created. And, you know, I've done been doing this for a while, and, and kids will turn something in that's good within the classroom, but now all of a sudden their audience was beyond me and it was beyond their classmates and it was going you know, to you and up, up to Boulder. And I think that was really um, a game changer for them because they, they saw that, oh, there's going to be other people and there's more. I think the students invested more of their time and energy and creativity in these final products knowing it was going to be for a wider audience. Well, and this is a great way of learning science. It's a very participatory model and, you know, it's rather than just solving an equation and getting an answer, the students really had to think about a concept, a design, an implementation. How did you complete the project? How did you present the project? So it was sort of a holistic experience for the students. Yeah, exactly. And to me, that's what STEM is, is is bringing all of the contents together, all those technical contents together for a final product. And, And they did a great job with it, you know, from their communication at the end where they were presenting to the panel, to the CAD tech work, you know, that they were doing or the math that they had to do to calculate the number of acrylic pieces they needed or whatever. But it was, like you said, the holistic uh, avenue of STEM is, is really engaging for the kids. Well, and the other thing these days in the corporate world, whether you're doing engineering or physics or chemistry, oftentimes the projects become team projects and you really need to know how to work with a team, who you can rely on, how to divvy up the tasks. And, you know, it was nice to see the teams working as units. Yeah, and I I would say that the students learned a lot on that aspect too. You had a half a dozen student teams in your class Mm -hmm. developing Uh, these Build a Better Book projects. Could you just briefly give an overview of what books they did, what kinds of approaches they took? Yeah, great question. So early on in this process, I asked the students what kind of book they'd be interested in building for. And, you know, we talked about young adult novels. We talked about children's books. And I let them pick. And all the groups came back to children's novels. And so I really felt like that they targeted that as understanding how children's novels are a foundation of reading and a foundation of learning. So it was really neat to see they went to the younger novels. The other neat aspect of it is the books that they chose. I had one group that chose uh, The Little Train That Could, you know, the perseverance story. Uh, Another group chose a STEM girls book, which I thought was really interesting and empowering. Uh, another group chose A Hungry Caterpillar. So to me, that's just kind of one of those classic children's books that everybody knows. And another group chose The Ugly Duckling, which was neat, too, because I think talking about you know, being young and growing up and feeling ugly and people maybe teasing you, but then actually you know growing out of that. And then another group chose to do Itsy Bitsy Spider, and they made that a tactile story. 
So even though it was a book, it was a nursery rhyme targeted to, to young toddlers. And then last but not least, I had another group that just chose colors. And instead of doing a book or anything specific, they chose six colors to represent. In their project, they had a lot of different colored objects, but they also chose smell and they incorporated different candles and wax scents into each panel for the colors that they were translating. So it was a great variety of books, great variety of techniques, and again, just super impressed with what they created. And we will hear more details about some of these projects directly from the students in about a minute. Based on going through this experience with yourself and the students, is this an activity that you think you will continue in future years? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm hoping to uh, make this a standard assignment for my curriculum in the Engineering 2 class. I think it is such a powerful assignment and would love to continue working with Build a Better Book Foundation and hopefully the two of you um, to keep running this every year for, for these students. I think it, it really stretches their thinking. And typically when the kids come to an engineering class, they might build a bridge or uh, do some computer work. But this was, you know, totally out of, out of their norm for them. And norm for school, not just an engineering class or a STEM class, but norm for a school assignment. Well, we certainly enjoyed it also in being able to participate ourselves. Great. Thank you. I'm really glad that you guys have found your way to Golden. And so are we. As promised, here are some of the students describing their projects. Jesse kindly interviewed one member of each of several teams. And the first group is the one in the photograph that we've put up on our podcast Facebook page and Twitter feed. Good morning. This is Jesse Swift, and I'm here talking with Lily, who's going to tell you a little bit more about her Build a Better Book project. Good morning, Lily. Good morning. My group really wanted to focus on inspiring young children uh, to start with STEM. And even if, you know, they are visually impaired and they have that disability, we wanted to give them a chance to go through that path and experience what we're experiencing in our engineering classes here at Golden High School. So we chose a book called um, The Amazing Adventures of the Princesses from Planet STEM, which talks about different careers in STEM and different options that engineers in STEM can do like aerospace engineering and biomedical and things like that. So the design of our book was a cube because we wanted um, to have six sides and six different panels, but in a very easy and fun way. And because our book isn't really chronological, we were able to do that. So we chose six characters from the book, an aerospace engineer, a laser and optical technologist, and a couple other characters, and we displayed them with wiki sticks, which are little wax-covered strings, and you can shape them in different ways, so that's how we made our characters. And then for Ignorance, which is the antagonist in this book, we used burlap, which is what you would find in a potato sack during potato sack races, and um, we put that all together and had their power or skill in the middle, which, for example, our aerospace engineer, we 3D printed a rocket into our cube, and that was movable, so it was interactive, and it wasn't just on the cube. It was another part of that panel. The rest of the panels, we used different materials, like uh, we had a zoologist as one of our characters, and we used these little animals and glued them onto our cube, and it 
was a really interesting experience because we had to not only deal with different materials, but we had to deal with um, the color contrast as that was another important aspect of our project. We had to make sure that um, people who aren't fully visually impaired could experience this as well. So we had to use black and white panels to make sure that all of our colors matched with that so it wasn't too distracting or it didn't cause much of a problem. The next student we'll hear from is Darcy. For our Build a Better Book project, we chose to do a color book. This means that we had a different like object, a different scent, a different texture for each color that we did. Our six colors were red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and purple. We chose to do this book because like we think that like even though you're blind, you should or you're visually impaired, you should be able to know what that's like for people that aren't. So we thought, you know, many authors don't focus on that because they don't, people, some people can't see color, so it doesn't matter. But, you know, we thought it'd be a unique because a lot of people don't focus on it. So that would give us a unique idea and a new perspective on things. Next up is RJ. So tell us about how you took the Hunger Caterpillar and transferred that to visually impaired uh, readers. Well, I thought that this book was a very good choice because it focuses a lot around different objects throughout the story, uh, most of which being fruits and vegetables. And uh, I thought that in order to create a book for visually impaired students and uh, children, they should have a book that centers around some sort of object or um, multiple objects. And I thought The Very Hungry Caterpillar was a perfect book to uh, show them that. And and how did you do that again? What did you guys use to demonstrate those different parts? Uh, throughout the process, we used uh, 3D printing models. We used cardboard and uh, balsa wood to create the different uh, objects in our storyboard. Good. And how did you get the 3D printing models? What um, Did you just find those on the internet and download them, or what did you do for that? Uh, we actually designed the different models through an online website called Onshape. Uh, we were able to design the caterpillar and multiple objects throughout the storyboard. How many panels did you end up having for this book? Because I know the book itself has a lot of pages. Uh, We ended up shortening it down to 12 pages because in the actual book, there are multiple things that the caterpillar eats on Saturday. We combined that onto one page in order to make it simpler and a shorter storyboard. Oh, great. So you were able to just kind of fine-tune it to fit your needs but also make it still accessible for the visually impaired readers. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you very much, and we're really proud of your project today. As with many engineering projects, there are often problems one encounters along the way, and then one needs to iterate to solve those problems and overcome those problems. Unlike their subject, the little engine that could, this team had a deadline, and that was not a problem that they could fix by keeping on going. And here is Alexis representing that team. The book me and my group decided to do was um, The Little Engine That Could. And the real struggle for our book was pretty much finding the materials that we needed because we kind of ran out of time. So the materials that we really have, well, we need a lot more than we were supposed to do. Like we needed um, to find some pieces of wood to stick down, but we never had time to do it. So we literally just, instead of wood, we got cardboard because that was the closest we thought that could like resemble wood or like the feeling, the texture and all that. Right, so uh, the texture, you're trying to find different materials yes. for different textures yes. of feeling, but you kind of ran out. Yeah, we ran out of time. So I think we did a pretty good job because like... Um, at the end, yeah, you felt the like 
each panel of your yes. book was clear enough. Let's say each object in your book yeah. was identifiable yes. through textures. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And also another struggle that we had was the braille. When we were trying to make the braille, um, we weren't really sure what side to make it to. Like, oh, we have to like make it go this side or the other side. Like we were confused of like how to do it. Right. And the left to right yeah, aspect the left to of right. creating yeah. braille. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good. And when I was trying to do braille, I know I messed it up because I just did not have no clue what to do with it. So my friends helped me. So that was the good part. So we did have some teamwork going in there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So as you can tell from these descriptions, many of these books were very tactile in nature with the 3D printed objects that the students made and the different textures that they used for different parts of their story. They learned Braille and learned to use a slate and stylus, which was interesting. And they were very thoughtful about color contrast. We heard about the one book where they integrated smells and colors, so Readers could correlate the different smells with the different colors associated with them. So it was a very interesting and fun experience for me to go through reading these books as a blind person. And I would just like to comment that the Build a Better Book Project has been around for just a few years and has already grown to f over 40 sites nationwide in a variety of libraries, makerspaces, and schools. And they are very grateful to the National Science Foundation for providing a grant to support this effort. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about the Build a Better Book Project and how to contact either them or Jesse Swift. So if people would like to learn more about the Build a Better Book Program, do you have some contact information where people can find out more? Yeah, on the World Wide Web, if you type in Build a Better Book, it will take you directly to the CU uh, website for Build a Better Book. And it's, it's a really neat um, website because they have digital resources. So if you're interested in maybe printing off some objects for your own Build a Better Book project, or if you're interested in creating your own Build a Better Book project for your classroom or your library, uh, that would be the place I would start with. And uh, everyone who I've been in contact with the Build a Better Book Foundation has been incredibly kind and really heartwarming and really welcoming. And I would really recommend reaching out to them. And if anybody has a question for a teacher who's been through this yes, program, yeah. could they contact you? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, my name is Jesse Swift, J-E-S-S-E, and my email address is jaswift at jeffcoschools.us. So shoot me an email. I'd be more than happy to get back to you and share or hopefully try to help you out with whatever challenge you're coming across. Great. Anything else you wanted to add? No, I just want to thank you for having me on the podcast, and it's been great working with the two of you. I look forward to several more projects with you. We hope to be back. All right. Thank you very much. For <laughs> Thanks, your, Thanks, Nancy. Thank you very much. And as usual, if you're looking for any of that contact information, go to the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. In those show notes, we'll also have links to several other episodes in which we talked about new concepts and ideas for making books more accessible, more enjoyable, and more interactive for people with vision impairments. 
That's it for show number 2004. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about a free music reader app. The Salmi Music Reader is a free Android app that enables the visually impaired to access music scores that they can import directly onto their devices. We'll speak with Deng Hui Phuc, Executive Director of the Sao Mai Center for the Blind in Vietnam, about the app and how it can be used to read and listen to complex musical scores. Ed, we hope to see you next week. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy, and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.